Welcome to Industrial Marketing Live. I'm Peyton Warren, a strategist here at Gorilla76. Um, we are the Industrial Marketing Agency, and I am one of your IML hosts. Thank you to the group that's joining us live today. I am always eager to watch the chat and hear what you guys have to say about our topic. And this topic, I promise every single one of you, uh, if you have worked in marketing for a moment, <laughs> have had experience with this. You've definitely touched one during your time in, uh, in a marketing role. And what I'm talking about is the company blog also known as learning centers, resource centers, knowledge base, uh, whatever you might call it um, on your company website. To talk more about this unsung hero, the company blog, we've got two of Gorilla's brightest and most technical minds, uh, Randall Zatz. Did I pronounce it right, Zates, Randall? Zates, sorry, I should have told you. That's what we should have done in the prep call for this. And, and then I'm going to try and, and pronounce Ray's name correctly. Ray Wong? Oh, yeah, you got it. Oh, I'm working on it. I'm working on it, y'all. I see Noel in the in the room here. <laughs> Is it right? No, did I get it right this time? No, Noel? Noel? Oh, my God, the first time. Okay, we're going to get it. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, Randall and Ray, do you guys mind just introducing yourselves a little bit, telling the folks here what your roles are at Gorilla and how you interact with websites? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Randall. I'm digital creative director at Gorilla. Um, and my role oversees design and development. And I've been working with Gorilla for eight, nine years, maybe. John, I don't know where I'm at on that. But uh, I've been doing websites with Gorilla. And I had some experience prior to that working on websites. And um, yeah, so we just oversee the design and development of websites and landing pages. And we're trying to just make really good user experiences optimized for industrial marketing, obviously, because everything's totally different. And even within that, every audience is different. So looking forward to getting some really good questions about learning centers. All right, it's uh, my turn. Yeah, um, my name turn, is right? Ray. Yeah, um, my name is Ray. I'm the lead developer at uh, Gorilla. I have been with uh, Gorilla for a bit more than five years now. And uh, my job is uh, usually um, I take a, a design uh, usually made by Randall and uh, you know I incorporate, I ensure that static image becomes something that's live on the internet and people can edit. And uh, I usually will work with other de departments as well to make sure their needs gets addressed while trying to stay faithful to the design. So. That's kind of like what I do. Ray is the person who builds the 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 something out of out of nothing, <laughs> other than just like our ideas. Uh, so, <laughs> so I think to get us started here, I'd like to bump it to Aaron first from like a strategy perspective. Why do we even want a learning center anyway? Yeah, obviously, as as marketers, we all know the importance of content, and that content needs somewhere to live. This is the place where you can find everything on your website. It's visible, you know, whether you're heavily doing SEO or not. You need a kind of searchable database. 
I also think it's important, you know, externally so your customers can find your content, but also internally, these are resources that like your sales team, your product team are probably sending to customers and just having a place where they can find that all easily is super, super important. Yeah, I think that totally agree with it being a resource for the sales team as well. Like whatever you're putting in your company blog and in your learning center, these are things that your sales folks are probably attaching in emails or um, pointing people to, to help them get a little bit more information as well. So it's not just like a, a place to write feel good articles. Um, but these are sales assets just as much as they are things that are going to boost your SEO. So a content hub, um, definitely important. What do we need? And maybe I'll kind of start with uh, with Randall here. Like, I, I think a lot of people might be thinking at the beginning of this conversation that we're going to come in here and say, if you're just working with what WordPress puts out, it's not good enough. But what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you, what are your thoughts on the default WordPress blog? Um, <clears throat> I think it's fine for starting out. And, uh, you know, I, there's a reason WordPress is so popular and it was originally a, a blogging platform. So obviously the default is going to work very well for most use cases. Um, you know, there's some fancier things that you can implement to make it better or more user friendly or easier for you to manage and publish content. Cause it's the other side of this is like, you want to make it easy for your website visitors and your sales team to get content out, but you also want it to be easy on yourself and anyone else that's publishing that content. And so a lot of times the customizations that we're making to the default WordPress are making it easier on you to publish that content and make it look nice. So Ray, are there limitations that we should be aware of with the out of the box functionality of that WordPress posting type. And I have some some feedback here um, from Adam Beck about calling it a blog in the first place. Uh, I think that, you know, that 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 could be a whole conversation in and of itself. But, you know, do we even want to call it a blog? It seems like it's kind of like minimizing the impact. Um, I think at Gorilla, we like to call it a learning center or a resource center. But at the root of it, it it's a blog and, and you're that's the functionality you're using. Um, to to build it out <laughs> on your website at least. So mm -hmm. so Ray, I mean like what are your thoughts about the limitations of that WordPress WordPress blog? Yeah, it's uh, actually I think it's a really interesting thing to talk about like blog versus what WordPress is now. So as you know, WordPress actually just celebrated its uh, 20th 20, 20th anniversary. So it's a 20 year old technology. It's ancient for, you know, Web, web stuff. But, um, you know, it, be, it, it started off as like a, a blogging platform. So when when you write our, uh, WordPress posts and you display them, it kind of will behave like a blog, right? Uh, it will be uh, ranked uh, based on the time of, of your post. And uh, you can say, okay, I want to show uh, like 10 posts per page. And then you'll have like, you know, how many pages based on how many blog posts you have. So that's basically how, how it works out of the box. And uh, a lot of time it's actually pretty 
decent because uh, over the years, WordPress has added a lot of features. Um, for example, you can categorize all the blocks and uh, you can actually uh, just find a categorization page where you will show the blog posts of that categorization. You can tag them and the WordPress actually has like tag pages and those are all built into the, the, the WordPress. So how they will show on your website will based on your website theme. So uh, how, how they show might not look exactly like how you imagine to look, but those functionality is, is in there. It just needs to be uh, kind of like displayed correctly based on the theme. So, so I would say the, the out-of-the-box out block is pretty decent, um, but there are quite a few things that um, that's kind of limiting. Uh, first thing is um, you don't get to, uh, there's, there's, there's very little flexibility on choosing what to display. So let's say if I want to have a, my, my, my learning center, show um uh you know some some posts but not others uh that will require some kind of uh something called a wordpress query meaning you you you're telling wordpress okay i want to have this many posts fitting this many conditions so um that's that will require a little bit of a coding knowledge to be able to to execute um luckily nowadays there are like uh, other features to to allow that. For example, um, about four or five years ago, WordPress released uh, something called the, the Gutenberg editor, which is kind of like the standard for building WordPress sites nowadays. Um, in Gutenberg editor, there's a, a, a very powerful block called a query, query loop block. Um, uh, I have a link in our... Uh, Note here, I can, I can post this to the to the chat. So, um, so I got it for you, right? All right, yeah, thank you. So, so yeah, so basically this query loop block is kind of like the new way to, to display uh, WordPress posts. Um, and the, it's, a, it's, it's quite powerful. You can choose a lot of different uh, ways to kind of like filter the content. Um, this does require your site to be built with a Gutenberg compatible theme, which is um, not, I, I know a lot of sites nowadays don't really have that, but um, you know, this is a very powerful, uh, this is a very powerful block that I think, and from what I know, this is still getting updated. Uh, you know, this is gonna be something they're focusing for like the next couple of years. So um, another thing that's kind of a limitation is, um, when we when we want to do uh when we want to show our content, we all often want to be able to okay, I want to go to the next page. I want to go to the previous page. I want to uh, search for something and just show it on the on the, on the, on my blog, and that will require a, a lot of time a full page refresh, right? So you need to go to page two, and if you go to back, go back to page one, there's a new page. Uh, there's a new HTTP request to refresh the page. So that's kind of a uh, it's not a good user experience. Um, out of the box, there's not a good way to do this uh, without some coding knowledge. Uh, but there are some WordPress plugins you can use. Uh, something I, I also put in the note is a, a plugin I have used before. It's called uh, Faucet uh, WP. 
it allows you to do all sorts of filtering, selection, content, content selection, just uh, using a plugin. And it's really powerful. So, you know, without coding knowledge, you can be able to do that kind of uh, user activity as well. Those are a lot of things. I mm -hmm. saw that uh, Lisa posted, and uh, if Lisa, you're willing to come off mute and kind of chat with us, you said that you've used loop loopers for some stuff too? Cool. Yeah, uh, would love to hear how you've used them uh, in, in your company. Am I unmuted? You are. <laughs> That's Welcome. always the struggle. Um, I'll drop a link in the chat too to what I use, but as a marketer who actually comes from a design and web development background, I kind of get tasked with all things related to our website. So loopers are kind of a thing that's available in certain um, environments and, and themes, you know, in Cornerstone, for example, if anybody's using like um, theme co's themes of which they have a few, they have a pretty powerful combination of a grid element and a looping element that allow you to kind of do all sorts of things and pull different kinds of content into um, a grid format. So you can really kind of customize what those blogs or learning centers or whatever you want to call them look like. And I find that that's pretty helpful because you can do them thematically. You know, my content specialist who's on our call too today, she's joining us here. Um, she wrote some pretty stellar kind of what we call 101 content about a specific technology that we make. She's actually done that for two different um, tech that we make. But those, we if we wanted to group them and present them kind of as a, a series where you can just kind of slide through all the articles related to that topic, that's something that we can do on our website pretty easily. And the reason I default to using that kind of a system is it's much quicker in terms of like getting it up and running instead of taking a really long time. It's the kind of thing that I can build you know inside of a day instead of over weeks and it just makes it really easy so we we replicate all of our articles from linkedin to our website too so that we have both places and with those loopers in place it also lets me do a lot of interlinking so to make sure that like if we're referencing something in an article that's from an earlier um edition of that content series we can link back and forth so that's helpful awesome. too. So like if they missed, you know, a week, if they're just picking up a series, we ran that series, I think, um, for eight or 10 weeks, we've run it twice. So I think the first time was eight weeks, second time was 10 weeks. And so we want to make sure if they're coming in in the middle, they can go back and reference something earlier we talked about. So that's been really useful. And yeah, I'll, I'll love put a link in the comments in case anybody wants to see what I use. Yeah, that would be awesome, Lisa. I think that's super cool the way that you guys are um, just being incredibly thoughtful, but also like efficient with how you're tackling like interlinking. You're making it something that's like it just continues to build and grow like you're building on top of instead of having to start from scratch every single time you put a blog post and you're like, well, where now what do we want to show? Like what's the related content? Um, you've got something there that has connected everything. So I think that's really, really cool. Yeah, Mary, totally agree. Uh, thoughtful and efficient. <laughs> What's great too is, you know, if we update that um, content, which we do, of course, over time as things change, you know, I don't have to rebuild. I don't have to reinvent the wheel. It just pulls the most recent version. So that's awesome. Nice. We had a question from Zach in the chat here too about how much we should be worrying about building Frankensites. So, um, you know, just adding new features as you go and everything. Uh, he said that his website's already a little bit slow. 
Uh, so Ray, maybe I'll punt that over your way, you know, like adding these things uh, piece by piece. Is that something that folks should be worried about? Or is there like a spot where they should, you know, maybe stop and reevaluate the whole system? Yeah, I, I would say it's definitely important to like re-evaluating re, re on the, you know, like constantly because, um, you know, basically any anything that's that gets developed by a human, you know, given enough time, it's going to become uh, outdated, outdated stuff. So something that I like I developed maybe five years ago would not work with uh Will not work ideally with uh, something that like a WordPress setup right now, just because you know WordPress has been updated a lot since last five years. So, so it's definitely important to um, to take a look and you know look at the site and be like, okay, some of this may be old, maybe uh, they are not needed anymore. Um, and uh, I I keep talking about the Gutenberg block because um, in my opinion. Uh, it replaced a lot of the functionality of uh, uh, plugins as time goes. Um, this is the official WordPress uh, editor going forward. This is going to be something they're going to be support for the for the for the near future. And I'm seeing a lot of really useful feature being added to it. Uh, so so yeah. So for example, WordPress six point three just released like a few weeks ago, and uh, if you're using like a, a site editing theme, it actually allow you to have images that can shot up to have like the light box effect. And that's something that's built into WordPress uh, default. And I, I know there are at least, you know, four or five different plugins that does that, but you don't need it anymore. If you have a compatible uh, theme that works with uh, WordPress. So yeah, so definitely it's a, it's, it's good to, look at your website and evaluate what's needed and what's not needed. So maybe to translate a little bit, you're saying that whereas in the past, a lot of WordPress sites have been built on things like page builders that are super user-friendly when you don't have a developer um, available to help you. Now WordPress is offering kind of some of that page builder functionality out of the box in a way where a page builder might slow you down, bloat your code, but now um, we're kind of getting a little bit the best of both worlds, it sounds like. Am yeah, I understanding I, that correctly? Yeah, I, I like the, the the way you put it. I think um, page builder kind of like, uh, Gutenberg is kind of like WordPress's version of page builder. And it's a lot more performant, in my opinion, because it doesn't really include a bunch of things. It's basically, it only includes things that you add to your site. So, yeah. Awesome. So kind of jumping back to what Lisa was talking about, about how she's got her articles like interlinked. Um, I'm guessing that to do all that looping and, and different things that you've done on your, your site, um, you have like a tagging system. You've got filters, categories that you're um, like assigning to articles as you're putting them up. Um, and that's something that I think we've got to hammer home today is that tagging systems, like your categories, those are a must. Um, Ray, I think you had another plugin here that you've, that you wanted to mention for tagging that could support you. Oh yeah. So um, uh, over the years, we, um, we often uh, stumble upon uh, a site that's, uh, you know, maybe uh, 
eight years, ten years old that has like few hundred articles. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, it will be a lot of work just to go through those articles to um, do content tagging because uh, tagging is definitely important. Uh, that allows us to to filter the content, uh, you know, pick out relevant ones uh, that that we want to display. But uh, it's, it's so much work to to go go through uh, hundreds, if not thousands, blog posts. So uh, you know, uh, as uh, answer to a lot of problems, we can use AI to do it. And uh, in my opinion, uh, one of the best AI uh, plugin to 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 be used nowadays is a uh, Classify. It's uh, developed by uh, Tenup, one of the kind of like the industry leader for WordPress agency work. They 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 do some of the best work I've seen uh, out of any agency, so uh, it's a it's a really powerful plugin. So I think yeah. we want to talk a little bit about design here as well, because obviously, um, you know, like the back end of your website is going to be really important. How you're able to interact with things in the the CMS um, is is critical. But um, I think a lot of times we start with what we want it to look like, right? <laughs> Which is where uh, Randall really comes into the picture here. Um, so Randall, like what are some of the, the things that you think are just like really important for folks to know when it comes to designing what their learning center looks like? Um, and I guess the the overview page, and then maybe we can talk a little bit about what the individual post page looks like as well. Yeah, for sure. Um... I'm going to share my screen in a minute, but I want to start out with just like an overarching theme when approaching design, especially for your learning center or blog, is that it should be a, a content first approach, meaning that content should really drive all of the design decisions that you're making. Um, what that means is like keeping things simple, not over designing it. And the the words on the page are the hero of your layout. Um, you don't want to block people from getting to the actual content where they're going to learn something useful by, you know, forcing them to like see a bunch of images that aren't really telling them anything, um, making the text too small and that kind of thing. So always design around your content um, and how you want to display that to people. It's really, really important to just keep it simple. It's really easy to like go ham and over design everything and put too many like visual bells and whistles on there. So keeping it simple is going to be a thing you hear me say a lot um, when we're talking about the design and layout of the learning centers and the posts themselves, um, just because it's the content is the king. And that should be like the the number one thing on your mind when you're thinking about layout. So I'm going to get my screen shared, and this is always a little clunky for me. We're going to start with uh, a wireframe, and this is where I recommend most people start out. Um, your wireframes don't have to look like this. My wireframes look a little prettier than they probably should, but pen and paper, whiteboard, um, back of a napkin, any of that stuff works. What you want to do is get your ideas down on paper or on a screen in a way that's easy um, and you're not stressed out about like picking colors or fonts or anything like that. So I have the wireframe pulled up for we're currently working on a redesign of Gorilla's website. And this is the wireframe for our learning center. 
And if you've been to our learning center, you'll probably notice that not much is changing here because it's working really well for us. And this is basically where we start um, with any learning center that we're going to create is with this layout here. Um, and the key features of it are is a headline. And this should be really simple, like just say learning center or industrial marketing blog or whatever you want to call it. Just keep it short and to the point. Um, and then a little mission statement, because, you know, earlier in the chat, there was a mention about should we call it a blog? Should we call it a learning center, a resource center, a knowledge center? If you put this little mission statement in there, you can say very succinctly in a sentence what people are going to get out of it. Um, so the mission statement goes here about why this is helpful and informative for visitors. So if you just tell them what they're going to get, um, it shouldn't really matter too much what you call it. Um, we like to encourage people to have a newsletter going. So like anytime new content gets posted, it can go out in an email blast. It's just a good way to keep uh, top of mind for your potential customers. So a very simple subscription um, thing here. It can pop up in a modal window depending on what you're building your website on WordPress or HubSpot. Uh, a lot of these things have either plugins or other tools to do that. But I wouldn't ask for anything more than an email address on that. Just keep it really simple. And then scrolling down here, this is the meat and potatoes of your learning center. So we have filtering for content type across the top and then by a uh, topic categories. These would be like your tags in WordPress um, on the left-hand side. And this, these can be really anything you want. And it generally will populate based on what you've tagged your articles as. Um, this is a very simple format that people are used to. Um, even outside of the B2B space, if you think about what your experience is uh, on e-commerce websites like Amazon, Walmart, Target, um, this filtering system is very intuitive at this point. If anybody has like been on the internet or purchased anything online, which I think is just about everyone. Um, so replicating that is generally a good idea. And then there's a little search feature for you to search for content as well. Um, and all this does is just, just like that looper we were talking about earlier, it goes through the database queries, what posts are tagged with the tags that someone has selected. Um, and displays them. And you'll notice in this wireframe, there's no uh, images here. And that's because we found that like generating a thumbnail image for every single post can be kind of like daunting. And sometimes you just kind of phone it in and you end up just having a bunch of images that really don't mean anything. And or the logo over and over and over. Or the over. logo over and over. We've seen that a lot with customer websites. Um, so don't make it a requirement to have to have an image for every post because not every post is going to need an image. And it just kind of gets in the way of people reading the content. It squishes it. It reduces the amount of room you have for your headlines and snippets. Um, and yeah, basic pagination here. And that's really, really all it is. You'll notice on this, this one has a little box around it. And what this is indicating is like a guide. So if you're still running campaigns where like your uh, your main strategy is like, we want to get people to download our guides and you're collecting email addresses and things like that. Um, sometimes you want to give them a little more visual weight and that's how I indicate this in the wireframe. Um, that's the general layout of the overview. And then I'm going to really quickly hop into the 
uh, post page here and just talk about some of the basics of this. Um, so these are your articles and guides and content, your posts in your learning center. And again, you want to keep things very, very simple. This one doesn't even have a banner image on here. You could put images in in context with your content. Um, and you can have banner images that just wouldn't make it super tall because the important thing here is, is that people read the article and get the information that they need. So mind your, your column width. This column width is fairly narrow. You want to not make people's eyes like have to do a big jump when they're going from one line to the next. Um, and then that gives you some sidebars to utilize for things like callouts, um, quotes, calls to action, those kind of things that you can throw in the sidebar. And then this is just a, a content column here. And really, you can put any kind of content you want um, in here that you have set up in WordPress or you've installed plugins. Or if you're using Gutenberg, you can drop blocks in here for things like pull quotes, videos, numbered lists, sliders. Um, you can build calls to action. So if you want to plug uh, like a deep dive guide that you've written, that's a downloadable PDF, you can have that in here as well. And at the end of the page, have another call to action that's relevant to the content. So um, oftentimes this is like a reach out to us to get a quote or a consultation or something like that. But I would customize it to the content that is on this post. So again, this is really simple and that's that's a good thing. You want people to just read the content that you've given them and not distract them with a whole bunch of other stuff. Hey, Randall, we got a question in the chat about how this looks on mobile. I don't know if you're able to show that or if you just have thoughts in general about how articles like this can be optimized for mobile consumption. Yeah, I don't have a mobile wireframe pulled up with me right now, but I can talk about it a little bit. In general, mobile, from going from desktop to mobile, you can think about the, how it's going to display by default. Um, and by default, it's going to stack everything left to right, top to bottom. So in this article, this feature would go straight above the content, which you probably don't want. Um, so you'll need to use some CSS. This is where Ray would probably help me out here. I'd say, hey, Ray, on mobile, I don't want that sidebar to even display like you could just totally hide it completely on mobile um in general on mobile you want to keep things even simpler so i would even remove this newsletter subscribe or embed it somewhere in line in the content and just have the content be displayed on mobile with the call to action at the end of the page um and obviously headline at the top so on mobile generally you want to eliminate things that aren't completely necessary to the content that you're trying to communicate. Um, same thing goes for the overview page on mobile. Um, you can collapse your categories and tags into drop-down menus, and I'll usually stick those up at the top um, in little drop-down menus. So instead of being out in the open like they are here, it's just a, a drop-down menu that would be like select a topic category, um, select a content type, um, to filter the content, and then it filters the content below that. And I'm glad you brought up mobile because that's another reason, like 
if you include thumbnail images on mobile for every post, each post is going to get pretty tall. And then you have to make a decision about like, do I want the headline to be above the image or the image to be above the headline? And there's not really a right or wrong answer there, but you're working with really limited screen real estate on mobile devices. And so eliminating things as much as you can um, is important. We've got a question also, Ray, from, from Matthew. Do you design, just typically, do you design for mobile first or desktop first? Um, because I work with Ray and me and Ray have been working together for so long, I generally design desktop with mobile in mind and give Ray uh, some guiding tips on special use cases where I wanted to do something different. Um, I would encourage you, if you're new, to start with mobile because it's harder. It's going to force you to make those hard decisions about is this element that I'm designing and putting on this page really that important? Um, so starting with mobile is a really good idea until you've got a lot of reps in and you understand what's going to happen on mobile. Um, but for my workflow and for speed, I start with desktop. Mobile's always in the back of my mind and it's it's part of the thought process that goes into it. Awesome. Well, I know we wanted to show just a few examples of some learning centers, like the overviews and different things like that. Um, we'll just kind of uh, click through them here. Uh, Randall, I know you're already sharing your screen. Not sure if you just want to jump into some of those other tabs. Yeah, um, for sure. What I've got here, I'm going to show you first is Gorilla's Learning Center because it matches this wireframe the closest. And then I'm going to show you a few other examples that don't match this wireframe. and break some of the things or contradict some of the things I just said about images because every use case is going to be a little bit different. So start here and adjust um, to what's right for your audience and for your content. So here's Gorilla's Learning Center, and you can see this basically matches this wireframe with a little bit of added design elements and, and color. But again, it's very simple. We say what it is. We have our mission statement where you're going to get out of it. You can subscribe. And then you can filter your content. Um, if you just want to read articles or you want to watch some videos um, and you can filter it by topic and you can search. Um, a nice thing to do with design on these learning centers is using some icons to indicate what each type of content is. So articles have this little pencil, podcasts have the microphone, videos, the play button that kind of thing. And it's just a little visual reminder. Um, and like I said, we're working on redesigning our website. So this is feeling a little outdated to me because this is pretty old at this point. Um, but icons don't hurt. It's another visual reminder that can help people filter through what they're seeing on the page quickly and get to something that's relevant to them. Um, I will uh, click into one of these articles here and you can see this is a very simple layout we don't even have anything in the sidebars on these um, this is just straight to the point helpful content the purpose here is to help your visitors learn something so we're not even hitting them over the head with calls to action at the beginning or anything like that it's just content call to action pops in after you've already scrolled down the page a little bit and we've got visuals the whole nine yards um, and it's a pretty long article but it's easy to read. Uh, it invites you to read it. The text isn't too small, that kind of stuff. Um, this other example 
is a very, very visual learning center. Um, we have a featured post at the top here, and it's got a nice big picture with a little snippet of the article that you're going to get. And then they have a very simple filtering system here um, by industry. And they're very visual, and this company has tons of visual assets. So every article has to have a thumbnail and a big banner image available because it would look weird without it. But they have a massive image library at their disposal, so this is possible for them. Um, and this one has a mix of different types of content. It has stories about their employees. It's got stories about projects that they've done. Um, so it's not all just educational content here. Some of this stuff is like talking about the humans behind the projects. So we click into one of these, you can see how the article itself is laid out. Again, really simple, straight to the point. Um, there's some design assets here for branding and, and a little bit of visual flair, but it doesn't really get in the way of reading the content. And because they have so many great pictures, um, the pictures are really big because they're important to the stories on here. Yeah. Got time for two more? Yeah. And then I want to talk a little bit about, um, okay, so like if we're going to develop this, let's put the mic back on Ray. What do we, Yeah. how do we even ask for these things? Here's another example of a, a fairly visual learning center. Um, they have a featured article or guide at the top and they have a lot of downloadable guides. So we have a section to feature those here. And then this should look really familiar. It looks just like our wireframe um, with some color and branding added to it. So a lot of the same. And then getting into the articles, again, it's really straightforward and to the point. Just focus on the content. You have some stuff in the sidebar for related content if people are interested to continue reading or maybe this isn't giving them what they need. Um, yeah, so... You should start seeing a, a common theme and a common pattern here between the overviews and the post layouts themselves. Here's another example of a learning center. It has the same style of filtering here, um, but each post has an image, much like the second example that we looked at. And this company also has lots of images at their disposal. Um, so yeah, they're they're able to do that. And again, a really simple layout. This has the email call to action in the sidebar, but it just gets straight to the point of the content with nice big headlines to kind of like let people scan through the article. Myself, when I land on a new article online, I tend to scroll through the whole thing and read just the headlines to even figure out if it's worth my five minutes of time to read the whole thing. Um, so having nice big chunky headlines is important that they contrast in size and how bold they are with the rest of the text. Um, yeah. Any any questions on any of this stuff or anything you want me to clarify before we hand it over to Ray on how to build these things? No, I think just like restating the point that you made earlier is like, you can see that we don't always follow the like the exact advice that we're giving because it's dependent on your situation, your company, what resources, what assets you have available and how you want things to be featured. Like what actions do you want people to take? That's what's going to help determine the flow uh, of what you got there. So I think that's that's really great. So 
to wrap up today, I thought it would be good because uh, I used to work at a software company. And when I was there, we had a specific department that actually translated what we needed from uh, the, the customer to the development team, the software developers, because the language is so different. Um, and so I thought it would be helpful uh, for, for the industrial marketers here to get a little bit of like a vocab lesson, um, not to be 101 or anything, but just to say like, what are the words you actually need to know um, to ask for what you want uh, from a third party developer? And yeah, Jared uh, posted here in the chat about, you know, when it's time to do the website overhaul, uh, the the sounds like Matthew is chiming in saying probably about two, mar two year mark is good. But if you're hitting that two year mark, and you're about to have to really think about what you're doing with your website, um, you're probably going to have to work with a third party developer if you don't have somebody in house. So how do you ask for what you want? Um, Ray, we mentioned a few words throughout here, and I think that um, we should just define those. So we've talked a little bit about taxonomy. We haven't actually said this word, but archive is important. And then I also wanted to talk about post type. So those three words. Um, so maybe we start with taxonomy. Uh, I think during the prep call for this, you said that taxonomy is like understanding your taxonomy is probably the biggest value add that you can add to your developer. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about that? What it yeah, is yeah, and of course, how it helps you? Of course. So um, yeah, as uh, all the example Randall have shown, um, you can see we have uh, some kind of uh, uh, categorization that goes for for each block. Uh, you know, we, have, we want to be able to see videos, for example, or, or media, or some type of uh, like a, a group of con a group of blogs blog posts so um a, a taxonomy in wordpress uh, just means um a way to group some posts and uh, uh, out of the box wordpress has a uh, two default taxonomy they have a uh, um categories and uh, tags so um uh, th th there's a lot uh, th there's a, a bit of a difference between these two so uh, a category is a uh, hierarchical, whereas a tag isn't. What does that mean? Is um, you can have a parent category, and you can have child category, but tags are all on the same level. Um, so uh, no one tag is above another tag. They are all just uh same of same importance. So basically, uh, you can create new uh tags uh, taxonomies. So let's say if I want to uh, divide all my all my posts into um, uh, topical, uh, or you know I want to have different types, so like video posts and the image posts, uh, text posts. So we can create a new uh, taxon a taxonomy called types. So so that's what a taxonomy is. It's basically a way to categorize your posts. So uh, jumping ahead. Tell us a little bit more about archive. What do we need to know about that word? What does it mean? And how could it um, impact how your learning center functions? Um, yeah, so an archive is uh, basically a way to display all the posts. So um, your your blog, uh, 
like your 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 blog is basically an archive. And uh, earlier I was talking about how like different categories and different tags they actually have their own archive page. So you can let's say I have a category called um, articles, and I can go to mywebsite.com/slash/category/slash/articles, and that should give uh, by default it should already display a blog, but that's filtered specifically for that articles category. So that's an archive. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And then just to keep moving because of time here, I appreciate everyone hanging out. Um, last one is post type. Uh, yeah, post type um, is uh, how how it, so we talk about like there's posts, right? So uh, by default in WordPress there's only posts and pages, uh, but let's say if you want, I want to add a completely new group of content, say videos. Uh, we can we can create a post type called videos, and they will on the on your WordPress admin admin bar. It will be on the left. It will not be under post. It will be a new thing that's called videos. And you can do categorization. You can do tags. Uh, it all depends on your settings. So that's a custom post type. Cool, cool, awesome. I know that there were some questions we didn't get to today. I want to be respectful of everyone's time. Um, so we will definitely um, keep those questions in mind and we can always answer them in the Slack channel. Um, so I did want to take a moment here, one, just to say like, thank you, um, Ray and Randall for letting me just throw questions at you. Me and Aaron just throw questions at you for 45 minutes here. Uh, super, super helpful to tap into your brains and just understand what's happening in the world of WordPress and what how we should be thinking about it for our own learning center. So thanks so much. Um, and then if you do have questions that we didn't get to today or other questions that you're just still simmering on, um, please join us in the Industrial Marketing Live Slack community. Uh, we would love to have you there. Uh, you can post your questions uh, as, as they come uh, in between these sessions here. So if you want to join, just put it in the chat or DM anyone from Gorilla. They can all give you a little wave uh, here. You can see their faces uh, on LinkedIn and we'll get you added. Um, our Next Industrial Marketing Live, we are going to be pulling in some guests from Graco. Um, Brendan uh, formerly was at Graco, and uh, whenever he was there, I think they were starting a product launch, but that product launch has happened. It's in the past now. And so we wanted to bring in their product team to talk specifically about that experience, what we can learn from them and how we should all be thinking about launching new products, new technology into the marketplace. I'm super excited for this conversation. So that's going to be uh, September 21st. Um, and then we'll be announcing our Q4 topics uh, in our next email. So I'm really excited. Round out the year. Cannot believe it's over. Um, but that's what I've got for today. Uh, other little plug while I still have you here. Uh, we did release um, registration for Industrial Marketing Summit. So if you uh, have been keeping up with what's happening for the in-person event that we're doing in Austin, Texas in uh, January 31st through Feb February uh, 2nd, uh, go to industrialmarketingsummit.com, check it out. We've only opened it up to the waitlist at this point. So if you weren't on the waitlist, then you shouldn't have gotten that email yet. But 
y'all are important to me. And I want you to know that early bird tickets are on sale and we have um, an, a limited number of those. So if you're interested in joining uh, folks like this in Austin, Texas, check out industrialmarketingsummit.com. Okay, that's all I got. Thanks everyone for joining and uh, we will see you next time.